Hello and welcome to another episode of Recovery Talk. Uh, first of all, uh, yes, I am eating while I'm recording. <laughs> I'm trying not to get any chewing noises in and trying to take breaks and pause when I eat, but <laughs> I was hungry and I've gotten a new obsession, which is overnight oats, but I add like chocolate, peanut butter, uh, syrup, everything. I have such a sweet tooth, just making it the most delicious chocolatey thing that it's ready for me in the morning so I don't have to make the breakfast. It's so good. You should try it if you haven't already. But yeah, this is not a mukbang, so I will try and take little breaks and pause it when I eat. But if you hear some chewing, uh, sorry, not sorry. Can you hear that? Okay, no mukbang. No mukbang. Okay, I actually paused and finished, so I'm good now. Let's get into it. So today I'm going to talk about a highly requested topic, and that is what to do when you are in recovery and you just feel kind of stuck. You feel kind of demotivated to keep going. And this is one of my favorite topics, actually, because this is where so many people are stuck. This is where so many people are stuck. Starting recovery? Yeah, that is definitely hard. That is a hard step to take. But staying in recovery, even when your motivation has run out, maybe food isn't that exciting anymore, or maybe it is exciting and it's scaring the shit out of you, that is when recovery can get quite challenging. So I'm going to start with saying something that I say all the time. If you followed me for some time and followed my content, you probably heard this before, but I always say it. You need to rely on determination over motivation. Because motivation, just from the way motivation works, motivation is fluid. It is not something that is always there. Determination, on the other hand, that is something that is there. When you're determined to do something, that is more steady. That is, determination is making a decision and sticking with it regardless of motivation. Because motivation, it is like the weather. Sometimes it's nice weather and sometimes it's pouring down with rain. And you can't just stop living your lives the day it's shit weather, right? And the same goes with recovery. You can't just recover on the easy days because recovery is actually made on the hard days. On the easy days... Everyone can recover. Okay, not everyone, but a lot of people are able to engage in recovery-promoting behaviors on their good days. But recovery is made on the days when every little cell in your body is telling you no. When every little bit of you wants to quit. That is when recovery is made. Let me tell you this. When I was in recovery, the majority of the time, I didn't want to be in recovery. I, I didn't, I was like, oh. This is uncomfortable. This is painful. This is scary. I have no idea what I'm doing because it's unfamiliar, right? Like we seek familiarity, even if that means familiar suffering. And recovery is a path towards something unknown. And recovery can also, especially when you are a little bit into recovery, recovery can end up becoming familiar and safe as well. And that's why a lot of people get stuck because they kind of change the, swap the familiarity of an eating disorder with the familiarity of recovery. And as a result, they're just staying stuck in recovery. And this is kind of what we call quasi-recovery. When you are doing, you're doing better, but you're not quite there. 
You did not come this far only to come this far. Spending the rest of your life in quasar recovery, it is such a waste of life. Yes, it might be safer than eating disorder like from a health perspective, but still just mentally you're still so stuck. It is just a waste, right? When you are going forward, don't just stop. Go all the way. Go all in. But how do you do that? That is what a lot of people ask me. And it is, what can I say? It is simple but not easy, right? The simpleness is that you just need to do everything that feels wrong until it feels right. You need to do the opposite of what your eating disorder is telling you. Repeat, 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 repeat. So just make opposite choices, opposite choices, opposite choices. But of course, even though it is that simple and straightforward, it is not easy to do because you have the eating disorder in the back of your head screaming at you, telling you that you are doing something wrong all the time. The good news is that as you keep doing the things that feel wrong, they will start feeling right with time. But you need to trust the process and you need to keep going. Another metaphor that I use all the time, and you might have heard if you followed me for some time, is that recovery can be a little bit like going to the dentist. So when you have a dentist appointment, right, you don't really wake up in the morning thinking, am I motivated to go to the dentist? No, you just go. You probably don't really want to do it, but you know that if you don't do it, you're going to cause yourself more pain and suffering with time because if you have a cavity, that cavity is just going to grow and get worse, right? And try and think of recovery on the hard days a bit in the same way. You don't really want to do it, but you do it because that is the decision you made and that is what you need to do. And I think that is also what real self-care is. Real self-care is doing what needs to be done even when you don't feel like it. So overall, in recovery, seek out discomfort. When something makes you feel uncomfortable, don't freak out and be like, oh my god, why am I so triggered by this? I shouldn't feel triggered by doing this. You should be, hey, amazing, I'm feeling triggered, I'm feeling this is difficult. That is a good thing because it means you're pushing yourself forward. I hear so many people in recovery who are experiencing something and they feel really triggered or they find that something is very difficult and they like blame themselves and get angry at themselves for struggling with something. And I'm just saying, no, you're doing the right thing because you are feeling uncomfortable and you are challenging that. That means that you are on the right path. If you're staying in recovery and it's just comfortable all the time, are you really pushing yourself? Because recovery is supposed to be uncomfortable. An advice that I often give to people who struggle with just wanting to quit is just to remind yourself why you started in the first place, right? A good way to do this can be to write a list of reasons to recover and also picture your future recovered future or picture your future still staying stuck with your eating disorder. These are some assignments that I work on also with, with coaching clients as well. Picture yourself in the future. Picture your long-term goals, there is a bit of a thing I see with people with eating disorders where when they talk about their future, they will very rarely talk about their future with an eating disorder. You know, there are people who will talk about like starting families and doing all of these things that they aren't really able to do right now because of eating disorder, but they just picture that in the future, their eating disorder is going to magically be gone, but they're not taking active steps to actually get rid of it. And it is, of course, important to have a positive view of the future. I mean, if you don't have any vision for the future and no view of the future, that is called severe depression, right? But 
you also need to not get lost in that like dream of the future and just think that things are going to sort themselves out because you need to do the work. You need to put in work to get to where you want to be. Your eating disorder is not just magically going to disappear with time. If anything, it's going to go stronger and get more difficult to get rid of. Doesn't mean it's impossible to get rid of it. We had it for some time. Absolutely not. And I've seen so many people recover after a prolonged period of time of suffering. But it's not going to get easier with time. Your eating disorder is not just going to boom, be gone. You need to work on recovering and getting rid of it intentionally. So remind yourself that nothing changes if nothing changes. And also, I think people can get a bit stuck in constantly looking for external sources, you know, looking for the perfect way to recover, the perfect approach or the perfect therapist. And like, these things are all important, but you also need to look a bit within because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter if you have the most amazing treatment team. If you're not putting in the work yourself, you're not going to get there. So don't just wait for other people to save you. If you have other people participating in your rescue, then that is amazing. But you also need to participate in your own rescue. A practical way to keep going is to have some kind of plan or structure for the days when recovery gets difficult, right? So on the days when you are low on motivation and you just feel like relapsing have some kind of plan or structure some people might just have a bit of a meal structure in those days that kind of forces them to actually eat a sufficient amount that could be one idea or in those days also be aware of your triggers and be aware if there are specific people or situations or spaces that make you go backwards and stay away from these people or spaces or environments i mean in general but especially on the days when the eating disorder feels a bit tempting. So whenever you feel triggered, your triggers are your teachers, right? Whenever you feel triggered, really ask yourself, hey, what happened now? What space am I in? Who am I around? What am I doing? If you find that happen, for instance, you're scrolling Instagram and you are in a specific uh, niche space on Instagram, then maybe that is not a space for you to stay in. And also notice the times and spaces where you feel driven and ready to commit to recovery. When do you feel like recovery feels like the best path. What spaces are you in? What people are you around? And chase more of this. So basically create your surroundings in a way that helps your recovery and helps you move forward. And recovery spaces can be such a two-edged sword here because it can be a space for a lot of comparison. And also there can be a space where a lot of people get their identities through their eating disorder, right? And when you are in these spaces, it can be a bit difficult to let go because you're thinking, well, I built myself an identity within this space of being sick. So who am I healthy? Am I going to be irrelevant? Like, what am I going to do? That's why it's so important to, even if you are using recovery spaces and you find that helpful, also build an identity outside of it. Build a community outside of it as well. And if you're now panicking and thinking, oh my God, I don't have that. That is okay because that is something you create with time. You just don't just wake up one day with a brand new identity and personality and community. No, you create that with time. And I think that scares people so much that it becomes tempting to just go backwards because the thought of having to recreate, rediscover, grow becomes too scary. But the thing is, something being scary doesn't make it dangerous. If anything, your comfort zone can actually be what's killing you. Some of the most amazing things that I've done and achieved in my life have been things that I've actually been scared to do and I've decided to jump into it. 
And even if something fails, pain is not dangerous in itself. Pain can actually also be something that can help you grow. Taking risk and going for it, even though there is that risk of failure, risk of hurt, that is kind of what life is about. If you're just doing things that feels comfortable and safe, you're not really going to go very far. I also want to remind you that recovery, it does not happen overnight. Recovery is the result of a lot of small actions repeated over a prolonged period of time. And you might also have one period where you you are going very fast and you're growing and it's easy. And then you have another period where you feel a little bit more stagnant, right? It's just important not to stay stuck in that stagnant phase forever. But it is normal that you have good phases and bad phases. That does not necessarily mean you're doing recovery wrong. But just don't get so comfortable that you stay in that stagnant phase forever and call that life. I say this a lot, but growth is one of the most inevitable things in life. You know, you either grow or you die. Look at plants, look at nature. I spoke about this on my Instagram the other day, but... It is just, it's natural to us. Growth is natural to us. But unfortunately, what is also natural to us is kind of half living and just staying there where you kind of, you're alive, but you're not fully living. And if you're spending the majority of your time thinking about how much pasta to cook for dinner, that is not really a full life. Like life is too short for that. You are not put on this earth to stress out about the sugar content in protein bars. I promise you, you are not. You were put on this earth to make cookies on the kitchen with your family or best friends and tasting the cookie dough without worrying about the calories. Maybe worrying about if it's good to eat raw egg. I mean, I still eat the cookie dough though, but here for a good time, not for a long time. No, actually here for a long and a good time. But you get what I mean, right? Life is too short for an eating disorder. Life is already so short already. And then you're going to shorten it further with an eating disorder? No, 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 no. Remind yourself all this. Write it down. Put it on a post-it, not on your wall, mirror, fridge, whatsoever. Remind yourself. And then on the days when even the reminders aren't really getting through, you turn in, you do that mechanical mechanical approach where you're just doing. The dentist approach, just doing. Determination over motivation. And it's such a shame because I see within the healthcare system, I mean, there are some angels in the healthcare system, some really, really good psychologists, doctors, nurses. I don't want to make it seem like I'm you know, talking down to them because absolutely not. There are some absolute angels. And I also was very lucky. I had an amazing psychologist. But unfortunately, within the system, I do see that a lot of treatment professionals, they kind of settle for quasi-recovery with their patients because they just want the patient out of uh, out of the danger zone. And then they don't really care if you're completely free or not. They just want you to a certain like BMI or eating a certain amount. And then bye-bye, you're on your own now. And that can be very difficult because for the patient, that can in their heads mean that they don't have to recover more. They don't have to take the next step. They don't need to go for full freedom because you're given the green light. You're fine now. Keep going. But you know what? You can't spend the rest of your life trapped because your doctor told you you're fine now. Because, I mean... That is going to be harmful to you, not your doctor. Your doctor is going to be fine. They're going to go on with their life. You're the one who's going to suffer the consequences. You can't spend the rest of your life stuck and then blame that. 
because you are going to suffer, not them. Unfortunately, there are a lot of errors in the system when it comes to eating disorders. There are a lot of misunderstandings. There are a lot of like focus on the wrong things. And that is just how it is. And we can critique the system. We can work to fight the system. But you also cannot just say, oh, but my doctor tell me I'm fine now. So I'm just going to keep weighing every little piece of food that comes into my into my plate. You know, you're going to suffer the consequences. You are going to suffer the consequences. I sometimes just think back, like, how would my life look like if I didn't fully let go? And it scares the shit out of me. Like, it scares the shit out of me. Oh my God. I'm not saying my life is perfect now, but I'm saying I have better problems than an eating disorder. And I am able to handle my problems without the eating disorder numbing them. Because that's what often happens with an eating disorder. It becomes a coping strategy. It becomes a numbing agent. But that is not really how it works. You can't just numb things. You need to actually go through things and learn. And I've had so many experiences in my life that I would never have had without if I hadn't fully recovered. And I'm just so incredibly grateful. And I think with an eating disorder, you can very easily convince yourself that your eating disorder is almost your personality, right? So for instance, oh, but I just, I don't really like going outside the house. I don't really like trying new foods. I don't really like mean romance friendship all of these things and yeah some of us are like that I mean I really am introverted 100% but the eating disorder will latch onto this and convince you that this is what you are meant to do and meant to be but that is not it and I've heard so many people regret spending so much of their life stuck but I've never heard someone regret recovery have I heard people saying recovery can be difficult? Yes. Have I heard people saying they sometimes romanticize and miss their eating disorders? Yes. But I've never heard someone say, I went all in for recovery, stayed fully recovered, and I really regret recovery. Recovery was just awful. Or eating disorder, best thing ever. Never heard it. And that in itself should be an indicator that the eating disorder life is not really it. I mean, an eating disorder, the reviews aren't great okay it's like a one star review would you go watch a movie with a one star review probably not so overall focus on determination over motivation and also protect yourself from unnecessary triggers and be very aware when do i feel like giving up and quitting what environments am i in what mind space am i in and then also equally be aware, when do I feel like actually going all in and going for recovery? And very often when you when you ask yourself these questions, you realize that when you feel like really going for it with recovery, those are when you're in a positive space with positive people, with people that are good for you. And when you feel like going backwards, that would be more in negative spaces, right? So would you spend the rest of your life somewhere that is based on these negative spaces, this negative longing? Anyway, guys, I know that was a bit of a motivational speaker rant, the coach and me coming out. <laughs> but I do hope it was helpful. And a lot of these realizations were things that I learned in my recovery that really helped me push forward. And also things that I now share with clients that help them push forward. And that's why I want to share it with you guys as well. I really, really, really hope that it is helpful. And if it's not, that's fine as well. But as long as it helps one person, then my job here is done and succeeded. And now to a listener question. So the question goes, 
Do you have any advice on how to advocate for myself and for a higher weight as a crucial for full recovery when treatment professionals encourage maintaining a, I'm going to censor the BMI, but basically a BMI that is in the lower, very lower end of the healthy scale. Health at every size is not really a well-known term here and surely no one puts it into practice, sadly. Wow, that is a very good question. And this is something that I went on a little Instagram live rant on the other day. Uh, if you, if you want to listen to me ranting about this, you can go to let's, Re- uh, hashtag, no, not hashtag, uh, at let's recover.co.uk, my Instagram account and click on the recovery talk or click on the lives. And the live is called the system is broken, but just a short little recap. There is a thing within the healthcare system where healthcare professionals sometimes fear the same thing, the eating disorder fear. And as a result, they will often set like a weight limit for their patients, clients and say, this is how much you need to gain. You need to gain to this BMI and then stay there. And the person with an eating disorder, the way they interpret this is, I cannot go above this weight because that is too much. But I was actually talking to my sister about this because coincidentally, my sister is an eating disorder specialist. Yes, believe it or not. Uh, and I was talking to her like, what is this thing with they, when they, when you go to treatment, they give you this BMI. And then when you go above it, it's like, oh yeah, we can reduce your intake. So you stay around that BMI. Why is that the thing when we know that most people's BMI are way higher than this? This is not me speculating. We know that the average BMI in most countries is a lot higher than what is uh, said basically but with the eating disorder recovery centers. The BMI they set is very low and very, very few people naturally have a BMI that low. We know that. So why do they set that as a BMI goal? And my sister told me that the reason why they set it is because they are scared that the person with an eating disorder will not be able to handle a higher weight. Let me repeat that because that made me so angry and blew my mind. The treatment professionals fear the same thing as the eating disorder fear. They fear that if you gain to a higher BMI, you will relapse because you will think you're too big. So they accept keeping you at like the minimum lower weight range because that they think is going to prevent you from relapsing. But the crazy thing is, and this is the plot twist, when I was in treatment, my psychologist showed me like this weight graph and she explained to me that staying at a BMI higher than this minimum recommended BMI that they operate with, thankfully my clinic didn't operate very strictly with that, actually decreases your risk of relapse. Can you, the the math is not mathing, okay? The math is not mathing. It doesn't make any sense. And I was talking to my sister about this and she was like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. To answer, I guess it kind of comes back a little bit to what I said earlier, that you cannot spend the rest of your life stuck in a certain weight or a certain behavior just because your treatment professional says it's okay, because you are the one who's going to suffer the consequences. Your doctor or psychologist is going to go home after their shift and live their life and eat their food and probably have a BMI of way more than they told you to maintain, right? You are the one who's going to spend the rest of your life stuck by listening to this. I really recommend asking them straight out, like, hey, why do I need to maintain a BMI of that? I mean, isn't that quite low? Isn't that like way under the average BMI? 
And then just see the response because chances are they're going to be a bit like, oh, they're going to have a good response to it. I would also recommend if you have some good resources, for instance, it could be a paper, it could be some information about health at every size, set point weight, all of these things to share with your treatment professional. But I do encourage you if you're doing this, just because treatment professionals are human beings with egos, try and do it in a way where you're like, hey, oh, I found this very interesting information. I thought I'd share with you because it might be interesting for you. Instead of you are wrong, you're this, you're that. Because when you do, when you go, when you go that accusatory route, then they can get very defensive and become like, who do you think you are challenging my expertise? And then they can say things that give further ammunition to your eating disorder. Overall, it is such a shame that there is so much focus on BMI when it comes to treating eating disorders. I do understand that it is absolutely crucial for people who are underweight relative to their set point weight, of course, to get to a BMI that is healthy for their bodies. Of course, you can't recover and then stay severely underweight. And if you're like, oh, (laughs) weight don't matter, and then keep a very low weight for your body and wonder why you're not recovering because oh you don't want to focus on weight of course you're just going to trick yourself but i think it comes to a point in recovery where instead of focusing so much on numbers you have to focus more on finding your set point weight and go going to that point where your body is actually maintaining a weight that is healthy for your body not everyone has the same set point weight and very few have a set point weight in the lower end of the healthy scale balance in between like the border of normal weight and underweight. Very, very few people naturally fall there. Very few people. And if you are going to treatment somewhere, but that is just excessively a focus and you feel like it's not helping you, of course, trying out a different, maybe a psychologist or a doctor that's working with health at every size, working, being size inclusive, working on intuitive eating, set point weights, all of these things. Maybe that could be an idea to maybe go to a different space. But I know that that is not always possible for people because I know that many people go in treatment that is basically like the government ran one where they follow a certain approach and that approach can, it is still under development to put it that way. <laughs> it is it is very much based on stereotypes and misunderstandings. There are some good things about it, but it's, it is also very um, um entrenched in fat phobia and diet culture because that is kind of entrenching the whole society right and it is also making its way into eating disorder recovery where again like i said probably three times now the treatment professional will fear the same thing as the eating disorder will feel because the treatment professional is also often a person that has grown up in diet culture and have their own fears about their own bodies and about food and their own ideas So for instance, when they have a patient who's experiencing extreme hunger, that might trigger some fears in them about overeating and the way overeating is being presented in our society, when it is actually a perfectly normal response to hunger, undernourishment. We know that. That is literally scientifically proven. This is not me making up things. That's just not it. Like That's just what happens when your leptin and ghrelin levels are out of whack. But still, sometimes fat phobia and ingrained diet culture beliefs can overpower basic science and common sense, unfortunately. And eating disorder treatment professionals, they're not always immune to this, unfortunately. That's just how it is. But you need to focus on the knowledge that you know. You need to focus on yourself. What is best for you, right? That was it for today, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, make sure to leave a rating and also follow the podcast. I see you guys next week.